Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Career Chat on the Real Talk Network. My name is Teddy Parsons, your host, and I am so excited that you're joining us today for another episode of our bi-monthly podcast that is dedicated to helping today's professionals become tomorrow's world leaders. On today's episode of Career Chat, I am excited to be joined by my special guest, Tiffany DeMyers of OLLC, located here in Lansing, Michigan. Hi, Tiffany. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Thank you for the warm welcome, Teddy. I'm doing fantastic today. Awesome. So again, thank you, Tiffany, for taking the time to join me on this episode of Career Chat. Before we begin our conversation, can you please share with our listeners who you are and what do they need to know about you? Definitely. I'd love to share uh, just an introduction of myself. First, thank you all for joining us and spending this special and quality time with us as we start the new year. My name is Tiffany D. Myers, and I am a Michigan native. I uh, describe myself as a people operations leader. I have served nonprofits and corporations in strategic organizational development and have also ventured out to do my own consulting in HR leadership and project management. So I'm here to help us really meet the intersection between people, projects, and progress. And I'm ecstatic about our conversation to come today. Thank you so much, Tiffany. And thanks for sharing that information. I'm going to be sure to list your contact information under today's episode narrative. As a reminder for our listeners, on our last episode of Career Chat, co-host Amy Pierce-Danders Welcome Don Carvines and Martha Box to the podcast to discuss the power of career coaching. This was a great discussion and very informative. And you can listen to this episode and past episodes by visiting teddytalks.com forward slash career hyphen chat. Okay, so for those with an inquiring mind, Tiffany, well, it's really mine. What does OWE stand for? Onyx World Enterprises, LLC, that is my consulting group that really focuses on providing leadership, um, providing critical thinking partnerships in organizations um, in the areas of human resources, operations, and overall strategic project management. I created this consulting group really because there was a need um, of projects that are centered around people, but that drive results that connect to the bottom line. Uh, Working in a number of nonprofits and serving in executive leadership roles, I've been called on by many peers and many leaders to come into their organization and serve as an executive partner uh, in their development as it relates to the people of their organization organization and attaining the progress that we'd like to see in the coming years. So that is really what the space is created for, just so we can be able to support organizations on what they are seeing for themselves today, and most importantly, what they see for themselves tomorrow. Awesome. And thanks, Tiffany, for sharing. It's interesting, as you said, the company name, it really sounds like you should be on the 44th floor of a high rise. It sounds like some <laughs> very like large organization. So thank you for sharing that. Okay. So well, thank you. We hope to have world changing impact um, with meaningful connection. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Most certainly. So I am so excited to chat with you today about why a culture of inclusion is critical for every business. So let's kick this off and you explain to us why is this important and why do we need to ensure there's a culture of inclusion in the workplace? Why does it matter, Tiffany? 
Yes, that is a very critical topic. I think that you and I, Teddy, we've connected because we've talked about the evolution of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. Uh, we are lovingly calling uh, this adventure, uh, this uh, journey together with organizations, DEI plus B. But uh, for those of us who have been in this work for quite some time, this passion-led work, it was initially called diversity. And uh, I think those of us who have been connected to people impacted by diversity initiatives or the need therefore, uh, really just understood there were there's always been a missing component that diversity wasn't enough. Uh, so when inclusivity was brought into the conversation, it was a light bulb moment to say, ah, now we're getting closer to having meaningful connections, building diversity, but also having inclusivity in the workplace. Uh, inclusivity is really defined just, just by definition as the practice or policy of providing equal access opportunities and resources to people who might be otherwise excluded or marginalized, such as those having physical or intellectual disabilities or belonging to various groups that are considered or sometimes classified as minority groups. So that's really the, the value and the importance in why diversity has involved to have inclusivity at the table. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that great information. So Tiffany, what is what if one of our listeners or several of them wants to create a strong culture of inclusion, but, is, but they're not sure really where to start? What would you recommend for those just starting on this journey and some, what are a few of the first steps that they can take to get their DEI journey started? Absolutely. I would say one of the first starting components is that you want to go at this process um, with the understanding that one, diversity and inclusion takes place because there are various uh, biases in the processes that we conduct and administer in organizations, but also that we want to have a more equitable chance for us to have those people that we are welcoming into our organization to be successful. Uh, it costs us less and it is more impactful in a, a positive way. So for those organizations or people or leaders that are just getting started on that inclusion journey, I would say start with data. And then I would say start with identifying an internal and external partner that will help you through the journey. Data is always going to be factual if you are pulling it from the sources that are connected to the people of your organization. So you want to be able to look at that quantitative and qualitative data. And if you're an organization just starting, that could be as simple as looking at your exit interviews or employee satisfaction surveys. You can do that through uh, various sites for free. Um, or you could be an organization that uses things like Workday and Oracle, which I've used for various organizations to help them look at the data. Uh, and then identifying internal partners that are going to advocate for the changes that you don't know yet that you need, but they're willing to go along that journey. And then we'll talk a little bit about how external partners can, can play a role in that too. But that's the starting point, I'd say. Thank you so much. And that's great advice for sure. So we know part of having a strong, inclusive culture is ensuring that everyone is welcomed and affirmed in a safe space. Tiffany, what does a safe space look like and why is it important to businesses? So creating a safe space for, I would say, 
marginalized groups or groups that are identified as being a smaller percentage other than the company's majority. Um, is There's a couple things there, Teddy. One thing is that identifying that there's a need for that. And then also identifying where that space can actually live. And then having ground rules in that space that help create a, a space where we're solution focused and it's also safe for people to share. So for example, um, in the past, I've helped organizations create safe spaces by having group workshops that were facilitated by leaders that spoke the same language as our audience. And in this case, this was a Spanish speaking employee base. Now, although I helped champion and create room for that strategy and facilitate that, um, I didn't do the facilitation in the room. I was never there present in the room because I wanted that space to be safe for individuals to be able to connect and be able to share from a cultural perspective and also from a language perspective that this has been a different journey for them and how can we best suit them? Sometimes with diversity, we think that it's always about us sharing in the same spaces, but we know equity helps us have a different lens that lends to that we all have different needs. So the safe space is having a protected space where people can truly communicate from their cultural lens um, and from their experiences, rather it be from a marginalized group or a group of a different percentage in the organization. Yes, thank you so much. Uh, perfect definition. And also, I just want to say to organizations who are looking at creating safe spaces, if you're going to have ambassadors in those positions who uh, people can go to as a safe space, please ensure that these are uh, people who have been well-trained and um, really understand DE&I. Would you agree with that, Tiffany? 100%. I'd absolutely agree with that. Okay. So, okay, Tiffany, we've been talking about DE&I in the workplace. Uh, can you please share with our listeners what it means to be performative versus, versus action-oriented when it comes to their DE&I workplace, uh, you know, in the workplace, excuse me, got tongue-tied there, but, you know, a lot of companies, um, we uh, see they're very performative. They uh, wanting us to hear the optics of the voice, but we don't know the true actions of their heart or intent. So uh, what what do you say uh, the difference between performative and action is? Yes, that is a great question. So performative and action, those two things vary. And I do think that um, when we talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, and particularly inclusion, all things have to be considered. Uh, but the essence and the, uh, I would say the passion behind it is what really keeps it moving and what keeps it authentic. So we want to have performative measures, but we don't want it to be solely based on numbers. And we want actions to really lead the passion and the movement behind things, because that allows for us to, one, really showcase what our true selves are and as leaders, but also to us being able to make sure that we have sustainability. How many times have we seen that diversity training happen in the workplace, but we really don't feel the change? So that's the difference between performative and action or uh, action oriented from my perspective. I think both are needed, but 
the drivers behind them are completely different. And that's why we have to make sure we're focused on what the true authentic causes and beliefs behind what we're doing as changes. Yes, thank you so much. Okay, so, you know, we both have seen some great organizations falter or honestly really screw up on their DEI work. Even those organizations who have good intentions but are struggling to create a strong culture of inclusion fall, you know, prey to this. So, Tiffany, what are some of the pitfalls that organizations need to avoid? And what are some of those red flags they need to keep an eye out for when creating their DEI strategies or programs? Yes, I would say some of the biggest pitfalls I have seen with organizations uh, working directly with executives uh, is really an organization either being reactionary or truly not connected. And what I mean by that is uh, I'll pause on the, the reactionary component. Uh, when we have had a number of incidents that have happened over the last several years, think these things have been happening. Uh, and these things, I mean, rather they're from COVID to um, racial issues uh, to political topics, they have always been there. But I think social media helps put things right in our face. And we've seen organizations responding to that, you know, with statements about racial equity. But when you're just reacting, you're just responding, you're almost behind the eight ball at that point. And we are in a time and a place that if you truly want your organization to prevail and you truly believe in the, the, the presence of inclusivity, that your statements should be in connection with what your actions are in coordination with your organization. So you should have a strategic partnership with someone, a consultant or an internal leader that is helping you facilitate that we are already working on this. We are already have awareness of things that happen in, in the world. And because we care about our people, here's what we're doing on a regular basis so that when there's something that you do need to, in fact, react to, you can connect it directly to the things that have already been done. So that's the first component is just being reactionary. Um, I think that's a, a big, big, big pitfall. The next one is just really those actions behind what's driving uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion in your organization. Um, are, you have to really sit down with your leadership in your organization and understand, are we having these initiatives take place because we feel like we should, or are we doing this because we really want to change the world through our organization? And I'm always going to go with the latter. That's what my type of partnership and leadership has looked like in organizations is that we have to own that there are systemic things within our organization that we create that impact people. And how can we have the most positive impact on people? How can we call out the uh the different culture leaders that we have in our organization. If you have leaders that have had continuous turnover and we see trends in the data, how can we allow for us not to cover that up and also address it? How can we allow for new people to come in and not have to earn their stripes? Um, how can we facilitate that we're going to be diverse thinkers, that we're going to impact people? And that's about the true meaning behind the actions you're doing. 
Thank you so much, Tiffany, for sharing that. I do want to say one of the red flags that I've seen in uh, my many, many years, I'm a dinosaur in this field now, of doing this work is, <laughs> um, is the biggest pitfall I see is that um, DEI leaders don't get the buy-in from the CEO, board of directors, and executive leadership. Uh, so really, in some ways, um, the, the impact of your DEI is going to be stalled or not happen at all. Would you agree with that? 100%. For those of us who have been in HR for some time, uh, we also know the same, there's similar aspects that happen with human resources. Uh, when an organization builds, an HR leader is not always the first leadership position that's there. Uh, and it's also not always the first leadership position that's invited to the strategic planning for the organization. It is the exact same with DEI. A lot of times we see that rolled up into another role or absorbed into another budget, but in fact, it has to have dedicated resources. And if you don't have those internally, it's your organization's leadership responsibility to identify someone who can lead that externally or make room for it in your strategic plan to have it come internally. So yes, I, I think that's a major pitfall that I've witnessed across this, this topic we're talking about. Yes, thanks, Tiffany. Okay, so can you please share with our listeners the benefits of working with an amazing consultant like you? Tiffany, what can you bring to the table to help businesses to truly get it and to do it right? Well, thank you. That, that was a warm <laughs> intro there. Uh, I would like to say that when you work with a, an external consultant, what it allows for your organization to do is to pay someone to be honest, but to also be a strategic partner. There is a, a sense of having almost a risk-free environment with providing the truth. And um, you need the truth when you're trying to develop and change. We have to accept what we're, we're, we have to accept and identify what our current conditions are so that we can create and facilitate the new conditions. So a consultant such as myself and other peers that I've seen across um, the same um, field uh, have been people-centered, you know, making sure that our strategies, although they have to drive the bottom line, they have to be people-centered. Also having someone that's a strategic and critical thinker. Sometimes it's hard, you know, as the cliche statement, to see the forest beyond the trees. Who's going to be there to really be able to see all of the fine-tuned details, but also help you strategically and critically think through what processes need to be in place? And someone that's a servant leader. I wholeheartedly believe in servant leadership. I think that we must, as leaders, be able to serve the people and uplift them and help direct them. And also someone that's going to enhance your brand and your overall employee experience. That is a very crucial component to the work that I do. Um, coming from a, a marketing and strategic business background, uh, before getting into human resources, I focus heavily on being able to optimize the brand. The brand is what makes people feel like they belong. And you also have to make sure that as much as you focus on your external brand, you have to focus on your internal brand. Is it synonymous with your core values say and what your employees experience and what you display in an advertisement? That's one of the things that I'm here to help people drive. And in addition to that, the topic we're talking about today, Teddy, being an inclusivity champion, really talking through the fine details of saying, how do we launch projects that really foster inclusivity, 
How do we launch projects that really drive implementation of systems that help your employees um, and changes that help your bottom line? So that's really my focus. And I think that an executive consultant externally can come into your organization and do these things either on a long-term or short-term basis um, as to how we can reach the next level together. That is amazing. And thanks for sharing. So Tiffany, we're going to be sure, like I mentioned earlier, to list all your contact information so our listeners can reach out to you. And I strongly suggest they do. Okay. So what is your number one go-to piece of advice when it comes to DEI? If somebody comes up to you and says, uh, what is like maybe a one, two, three sentence uh, elevator speech for DEI that you give to someone? Wow. Well, that is a tough question there. <laughs> so <laughs> it's very, I with me being extremely passion oriented, uh, it is challenging to sum up what I think the elevator speech is for diversity, equity, and inclusion. However, I would say lead with where you want to see your organization grow to. It's very, very crucial that you think about the future state of where you want to be. Vision-oriented leaders are those people are the people that have changed the world. Um, when we think about our top leaders um, or our, our people that have been the most impactful inventors, they weren't thinking about today. They were thinking about tomorrow. And I think that is how we strategically always stay ahead is that we think about where we want to see our future selves and how that in, it really is included within DEI is that we have to foster environments where people are going to feel valued. We don't want people to feel like numbers and we don't want our employees to come in and have an experience that's going to be negative. It negatively impacts what we can do as an organization and how we're going to impact others in our field and also how we're going to grow and what's most important important to a lot of leaders is how we're going to be profitable and sustainable. So these are direct correlations um, to why this is very crucial, but really the essence of it is thinking about our future selves and how we want to play a role in the lives of others. Yes, amen. So Tiffany, mine is pretty simple. Be authentic, be kind, and check your biases. So there, exactly. I, there I just did the drop, Mike. Anyway, okay. So <laughs> again, thank you so much for sharing all this amazing information. As we begin to wrap up our discussion today, we always ask our guests here on Career Chat this question. What, would, what advice would you give 20-year-old Tiffany? What have you learned along the way that you wish you would have known before? What would you tell 20-year-old Tiffany? The 20-year-old version of me, I would tell myself to never be afraid to continue to think outside the box. Uh, when coming into and transitioning uh, into the world of human resources, I was told, you know what, HR, you got to focus on just HR content. If you don't, other organizations as a, a developing professional won't really understand why you're why you are in other fields, why you are um, exploring other certifications. But as I have uh, grown and, and matured and Many, many years have passed since I was 20. I won't say how many. <laughs> I realized that that is what makes you unique. 
being a active learner and a forever student will help shape and mold how you can impact other people. And my calling is to really have an impact on people and organizations. Um, and defining that calling to really be a strategic partner um, was, was challenging when when the world really wants you to choose a lane to stay in. But now today I can proudly say that I am an HR leader. I am an executive strategist and I'm also a certified project manager. And um, some of those things uh, to the to the naked eye, they don't have correlation. But in the work that I do, it helps me be able to be present in operations, be present with people and be present in the C-suite and then also be present with the boots on the ground and be able to make sure that there's an intersection amongst all those things and how can we drive results with that mindset and with that experience. So I would tell my 20-year-old self to continue to live and think outside the box. I love that. And for all of our DEI practitioners, consultants, and leaders and champions, I want you to hear what Tiffany just said. I'm going to put words in her mouth, but I think she would agree with me. She's <laughs> saying you must keep learning. You got to keep growing and you got to keep edu educating yourself. Would you agree with that, Tiffany? Yes, yes, definitely. There are some great leaders in uh, one of your previous guests, um, respectfully, Miss Bernadette Johnson. She tells us to to stay curious, and I'm happy that I stayed curious. Yes, okay, Miss Bernadette Johnson. She is the real bomb .com, and uh, I encourage people to go. And Tiffany brought up a great podcast we had with uh, Bernadette, so thank you. Okay, yes, Tiffany. Definitely. Thank you again for joining me today on Career Chat. I truly have enjoyed our conversation. I look forward to having you back on the podcast again soon. Thank you so much. And thank you to everyone that joined us today. I hope that our conversation has an impact for how you think about inclusivity and understanding that you can always start today for where you see your organization and yourself tomorrow. Yes, thank you. Okay, my friends. Unfortunately, our time together is coming to an end. I hope you will join us on our next episode of Career Chat, where I welcome Kelly Blackwell, the Michigan Assistive Technology Program Co-Director at the Michigan Disability Rights Coalition, which is located here in East Lansing, Michigan, where we have a fascinating and very informative conversation on assistive technology and what that means and how it can assist your organization. You will not want to miss that one. Okay, so you can stay connected with us by liking our Facebook page and heading on over to teddytalks.com to learn how you can connect with us, stay informed, and how to catch up on past episodes. Your success is important to us, and we are committed to helping you grow, prosper, and succeed. We look forward to having you join us for the next episode of Career Chat. On behalf of Amy, Carrie, and Cindy, we want to wish you a very amazing and successful day. Bye, everyone. Thanks, Tiffany. Thank you all. Take care.